Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 194 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. How are we today, Lauren? We're okay, although I've just come to this shocking realization that we are almost at episode 200. That is a shocking realization. It is. Six we, episodes to go. It feels like only yesterday that we did the 100th episode, and we had like Colin and Kyle and Lauren on. Like, that feels like it was yesterday. And it's not. I've, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. No, I think it's because, well, it's obviously partially because we've been doing shows like sort of back to back. It's not like how it was before. We would have like a week off and then we would have another show, you know. But yeah, no. Um, other than that, I'm surviving. Um, still getting not a lot of sleep, but it's cool. As long as you guys are happy with me bumbling through my words slightly i think we're going to be okay good (laughs) just just note that i may occasionally forget the english language and um may try to make jokes that sound great in my brain but fail in delivery yeah that's it that's all (laughs) for me how are you feeling daryl's i'm i'm good i think um that's great i'm so happy for you Let me just sit here and and gleam in the fact that you don't have to breastfeed all night. I'm so happy for you. I mean, it's a good time for me. I I do get woken up by punches in the face, though. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal. It's not pleasant all around. Don't have kids, guys. Yeah, you'll get woken up at three in the morning for you to hear a story about um, a band aid or something. But without parents, you wouldn't have protagonists. Without parents, you wouldn't have people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we need to exist. Maybe one of our kids is going to be the next Final Fantasy. No, wait, because that means that they'd have to have a tragic accident where we die or something. Our grandkids are probably going to see Final Fantasy 16. Uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to that line. oh Ooh. will we so uh, yeah so today we're actually going to be talking about a couple of things uh but one of them is going to be around the uh major shake-up that's happening at square Enix japan it's continuing um the latest round has been related to the uh, new financial year um but then we've got a load of other news that's that's happening around um the the shake-up and the financial uh year starting because they've um gone live with a load of things which is interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. Shaken, not yes. stirred. Yes. Um, but for you new folks who are listening for the first time, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union and we come on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. We're now going to do our Patreon shoutouts and this is for everyone who has pledged $2.50 or more per episode, starting with Lauren... Nahika Blowy, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto at ZDuranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton at Nortron Zero, Thorin Bullen at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayaz Bilal, Alex Ray Schneider at Alex Ray Schneider, Lewis James, Rachel Casterton at Urban Yen Ray, Mohammed Kayum, Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, who actually just got their ultimate weapon on Kingdom Hearts 3. Congrats, Pokemon Trainer J. Nice, nice. Then we've got Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejen. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Rob Porter at Squirty Bertie One. David Calro. Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy. Vitanitas. Janik Nord at Janik Nord. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. 
So, before we go on to our main topic, we're actually going to do a small impressions of episode Arden, which mm-hmm. did release between now and the previous episode. Yeah. But it's going to be completely spoiler-free because, as everyone knows, we are not pro-DLC. Yes, I know, I know. I got a lot of sass last episode. Thanks, guys, well, for remembering my stance on DLC. It's because you made the slip of saying you were going to play it, which mm. we all know you aren't false. <laughs> going to play it. That is a falsity. The the um, slight um the slight loophole is that Lauren obviously has bought the season pass, but only because it was included in the PC version of the game by default. Exactly. Which is not the same thing as buying DLC. Precisely. Because I buy everything on PC because Steam is incredible. It's also cheaper doing it that way. Mm. Mm. It's it's just more fun on PC at times. I really am. Well, no, it's the no. PC. It'll be no different from us buying the Royal Edition. It's true, but PC you can do mods. Not that I really use mods. You're but, scared of mods. You know, I am actually legitimately scared of mods. I think I had a bad time with Sims Three, where um, or no, maybe it was Sims Two, where like I just had a bunch of like pregnant people, and it was just not not fun. It was all because of the machinery and stuff, and this is sounding Where, really is horrible. Where is this going? I don't know, but like, I think it just scared me. I think it just it just scarred my impression of mods, so now I just stay was, away from them like the plague. Was the mod the thing that enabled you to have pregnancies? Like, because otherwise, just what like is the story? Everywhere, just everybody was pregnant, and it just happened, and everybody was pregnant. I don't know what happened. It just happened, <laughs> but everybody was pregnant, and it wasn't fun. <laughs> so <laughs> I just stay away from mods now. But yeah, no, um, I don't need. I don't need uh, like. Yeah. But for other people, for other people, you can you can have your pregnant people. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps not in final fantasy 15 but uh, actually probably someone could make that mod. someone could be pregnant pregnant noctis there yeah, you go you know okay so yeah on that basis um we haven't <laughs> played episode arden no but we have perused it yeah for research purposes yes because by this time our video should be out and i would say that um well, no, it won't. Definitely will not be uh, out. You don't think so? <laughs> definitely will not be out. Okay. We are working on the origins of Arden right now, and the the DLC I would say has um, confused things slightly, <laughs> and I think that's putting it uh, a little di- diplomatically. Like, yeah. yeah, diplomatically. It's essentially like the same thing as between Kingsglaive and Final Fantasy Fifteen. It seems like. Yeah. So I guess one of the the main things that's happened here is that um, the people that wrote the original story are not the people that are writing this DLC episode. And so it's caused conflicts. And But it's not even just within that. So episode Arden has conflicts with the main game. It also has conflicts with episode Arden prologue. <laughs> but it also has conflicts based on what they've said in interviews afterwards where people have been asking them questions. And it's just like, why can you not have just given us a clear answer in at some point? Yeah. Clarify something instead yeah. of just saying like, well, no, it could be this or it could be that. Um, but we're not really sure because we didn't write that backstory. But this thing, well, no, no, we don't know about that, even though we said it in the main game. See, and this is why you need Nojima. This is exactly why you need somebody to be in there to just sort of sort all this stuff out and make it make sense and keep the consistency. Because... It's ridiculous now. It is absolutely... Like, at least, you know, you say what you want about 13 if you're against 13, but at least the story between the things was coherent. 
it was all over the place. It was all over the place, but they all were reading from the same hymn sheet, essentially. And yeah, I think that's been the major thing around this because I, I've done I've done origins videos for a lot of characters now, and the majority of them are games that I have played. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to say um, I haven't I haven't really done a character that I don't understand yet. There was one other one that was really hard to do. Which one was that? Beatrix required a lot of uh, that research. That required some finagling. But there was one that I remembered that there was Caius. some... Was it Caius? Yeah, Caius was Caius the Caius was difficult. Yeah, it's true. I meant but more that's, Final Fantasy 13, not 13 too. But, but, but that's not because the the story writing is, is, is bad per se. It's just all over the place. Yeah. And they kind of put a little bit... It's, it's like finding the nuggets in the data log. It's trying to find the evidence of things and stuff. That's... That took time, yeah. but with but with Arden, it's just more that there's there's no continuity. There's no continuity, even with his name. Like say that, like even his name. What is his freaking name? Like so, Arden Azunia. Like so, that is apparently his false name, and he makes that sort of jibe about you never guess who I took that from. And granted, there are some people who have made some like sort of loose connections. But like the Lucius Calum doesn't even make sense with Arden. Well, the, the weird thing about that one is that in the Japanese, German and French versions of the game, they say one thing. And in the English version, they say another. So then it's like, well, they're all official. Yeah. So what is it? Anyway, this is a bit massive segue yeah, around the whole thing. Because, <laughs> but the, it is a legitimate concern in, yeah. in that episode Arden, um, the story it portrayed was was good, mm. but it had inconsistencies. And as someone who likes to look at the story of these characters and and and, and present them in in cool ways, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, but the story itself was was good. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, like even the sense that he he turns people into demons, like even that was a bit. Well, there's a lot of things where, and they, and they've had this problem with uh, fifteen in general, where um, stuff just happens, and you're just like, well, okay, well, I, I don't, how did that? And you just kind of left just thinking, like he like, knows everything about Ifrit's past and stuff. Like he he can get memories. That was it. The fact that he can get memories. Yeah, from all, of, people. all of a sudden he can absorb people's memories. Yeah, so it's just kind of like, why, what? Where is that in, they in just, the main it's game? It's just there. And like the fact that he's suddenly now called Adagium. Yeah. But not like because, and that's the thing, right? So he's only called Adagium because that was the, um, when they were working on episode Arden, it was the the code name they used for the project. Mm. No different from how when they were working on Type Zero, the code name was <laughs> Yellow P, right? Yellow P. They just, they just kept the code name and yeah. they just didn't change it. But it's like, it's not actually part of the narrative. Like, no. At no point throughout the the development of final fantasy 15 was there this thing where arden's called adagium yeah it's like no they just they just made it up and then now it's part of the narrative all of a sudden which is fine but there are too many instances of that yeah but yeah so that's our and that's our impressions of episode arden it it seems other than that like it it seems like an okay an okay it seems fun like Like, i'd say it, it seems like it's on par with the other pieces of dlc it's nice to feel like the villain sometimes in games, I think. Like, it's nice to sort of have that different perspective of what's going on. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I kind of gripe about is the 
timeline. I don't like the fact that it's taking... See, when I first saw it, I thought that, and maybe this is just me being really naive, because I didn't really want to upset too much of what... I didn't want to spoil it too much. I know that's very uncharacteristic of me, but I didn't want to spoil too much. Um, I thought it was going to be like the invasion of insomnia. I thought it was going to be about like the current timeline, like with Noctis and stuff and like sort of what he was up to when the invasion was happening. Cause we didn't really see him that much in Kingsglaive. So that's what I thought. I mean, maybe it's just because he was out, he was out like sort of ganging up with Noctis, but there was quite a considerable amount of time where he wasn't with Noctis. Yeah. I mean like the decision they made to have it, around the time of Regis's coronation was odd because like there was nothing to really say that anyone wanted more information around that and yeah. by having it at that point it didn't it wasn't really necessary basically the only I don't want to spoil it but there there is a reason why that time period is chosen mm. but the it but having it take place at that point is the entire motivation of the DLC, mm-hmm. which then it's basically like what makes the ending happen because he makes a decision during that, that sequence. sequence that then causes something else to happen. And that's why you get the ending. Yeah. But then even the ending is causing a lot of contention with people because there's there's options. But ultimately, no matter what option you pick, it's the, the same. same thing. It's the yeah. same yeah because of the fact that they weren't going they were going to do more weren't they and then um they've now basically said that um well from what i understand they're trying to essentially discredit the original maybe i'm being too uh too reaching with this one but like it seems like they're trying to discredit the original game and Mm -hmm. now i guess they they obviously they don't have the opportunity to make the alternative uh, dlc anymore so they're writing the book but they're saying that by by using the book, they're going to enlighten people as to who the true antagonist was of Final Fantasy Fifteen, mm. and it's like, well, what? No, <laughs> <laughs> just no, just no, <laughs> just no. So um, I mean, at yeah. this point, I'm just I'm I'm kind of I'm glad it's done. Yeah, because, yeah. Because it's clear that obviously Tabata, we'll get onto him in a bit, but like he's gone. Um, the direction of Final Fantasy 15 is kind of lost. Like, yeah. And even with him there, like they just started going down this path of, hmm, do you want a good ending? Okay, well, we'll work towards that. It's the vision. And it's like, the vision of what Final Fantasy Versus 13 was supposed to be. It, it was lost with Nomura, and then Tabata really tried his best to keep it going, but now it's gone to third hands, and it's just become Metal Gear, essentially. Like, it's it's gone from... Hideo Kojima to Metal Gear Survive. And you're just kind of like... Very quickly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. I mean, that's all we can really say on that. I mean, it's it's a fun... I think it's a fun play. Like, if you're into it, um, definitely go get it. But... It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with the novel. Yeah. Because they're making it seem like the past, the last part, the episode Noctis, is going to be that Arden and Noctis team up. And... <laughs> But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's Boom. as much as we have to say about it. <laughs> I mean, like, sorry we haven't been more positive about that, but it's like, you know, we, we have a pretty dim view of DLC as it is anyway. Yeah. And I think it's fun that you get to play as Arden. The gameplay, from what I understand, is probably the best that they've done. And obviously, it, you finally get to play in Insomnia, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But like from a narrative perspective it just 
it's just a bit of a mess and the guys who worked on it from their interviews and stuff like they just don't really yeah like you said they're, they're no Najima like they're, they're they don't really un- they don't really know the law. They no. are, they don't really know their own law. And one no. of the thing the one of the big things that um pulls it out is that there's two there's two instances actually. One where um they say like the they're talking about the will of the crystal and mm. whatever they say in prologue is the complete opposite to what they say in fifteen <laughs> in the tutorial, I think. Mm. And then the other one is about um the um who uh, gave the or who chose the oracle. Yeah. Whereas I think in in one of the interviews they just said we don't know we haven't written that story it's like it very clearly says in the game who chose the oracle yeah like it's part of the law yeah anyway yeah done with that i know um (laughs) so so our major discussion point this episode is not episode arden prologue or arden and thoughts around that it's actually talking about the departures that are happening from square enix right now um so obviously Hadjimate's Bata left last year uh, after being kind of given uh, Luminous Studios and having these grand visions about what he could make. Now pretty much his I guess his contemporary mm. Hideo Baba has also left Square Enix. And I say he's his contemporary because back in 2017 Hideo Baba joined Square Enix from uh, Bandai Namco and he founded Studio Etolia, which was going to be very similar to Luminous Productions and Tokyo RPG Factory. Basically, not a business division as such, but uh, an external studio that was owned and and has to answer to Square Enix. Um, And he was being given the opportunity to make his own game, uh, AAA game, which was called Project Prelude Rune. And they just released their first trailer for it at TGS 2018, and then two months later, he resigns, yeah. which is odd. Yeah. And the, like in his statement as to why he left, he said it was because of a change in management policies. Mm. Now, obviously, we know from the last uh, financial report that Square Enix put out that Matsuda has basically decided that the Japanese uh, structure is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like they've in- ended up with what that I think it was 12 or 14 business divisions. Yeah. And it, we've talked about it in the past where even though they had specific business divisions set up for mobile games, yeah. the, the, uh, like the main business divisions were all still having their own mobile games too, yeah. which doesn't really make too much sense. No. Um, so Matsuda basically has said that he wanted to do a wider restructure, condense down the business divisions, make development a lot more streamlined by giving them actual focuses to work on. And... I'd say that part of this has been in line with that. Um, obviously, the way that Luminous or Tabata wanted to do it and, and the way that um, Hideo Baba wanted to do it as well wasn't in line with what they wanted. And it seems as though they were sold the vision of being given a load of creative freedom. It's what Tabata had always wanted at Square. He'd, he'd always been working on someone else's project or cleaning up someone else's mess. This was going to be his chance to actually do what he wanted to do. His first decision, obviously, was, okay, I'm going to make a AAA RPG. I'm going to use everything I learned from Final Fantasy XV to make the game I wanted to. And then, after that, we're going to make the Season 2 uh, of Final Fantasy XV, and we're going to try and give the fans, like, the, the people that really care about Final Fantasy XV, the ending that they, they truly deserved. At some point, Square Enix turned around to him and said, no. <laughs> pretty much. From what I said, he pretty much said, just said no. The, the whatever the write-off was like 30 billion yen um well i think it was 30 billion yen 30 billion dollars was them just cancelling the dlc yeah and probably some other things too yeah um i don't know 
obviously uh, luminous productions are still working on the ip that tabata laid down the framework for it's probably going to be very different from mm. what it was originally envisioned to be and Estolia are still working on project preload rune but again it's probably now going to end up being a different game to what it was envisioned to be it's just a bit strange i but i i want to try and be positive about it even though i liked Tabata and i i think he did a lot of good for the company um Maybe like he just wasn't suited to the way they needed to, they needed to work anymore, mm. and Baba maybe again just wasn't suited to the way they just need to work now, yeah. and so therefore the vision they sold them on just wasn't the vision they can do now, mm-hmm. because you know Baba joined in 2017. Tabata obviously had his new studio at the start of the last year, right? And it's been a tough year for Square as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. They're not like in the best position right now to be taking risks. No, they need to. They've had some really positive growth this year. Yeah. Obviously, they had forecast that they were going to see a drop, but they, it was still good, good results. Um, but they're struggling to. They're probably going to struggle to meet that. But next year, obviously, is going to be the big year for them. Yeah. Um, but it just it just feels like yeah. Hope I'm hopeful that the the change that Matsuda is making the structure is going to be really positive and mm. square enix are actually going to be able to produce top tier games much more regularly and it seems as though the structure they're working towards which is going to be uh, condensing down to four business divisions from that massive bloat that we said earlier yeah is going to enable to enable them to do that it's basically going to be a business division now for final fantasy one for one for dragon quest and one that's kind of more, I guess, for MMO kind of games. Mm. I, I'm not too sure, but but basically, like they're trying to condense it around these uh, like central figures. Hashimoto is now no, no longer the brand manager for, for Final Fantasy. That's kind of been given to Kataze, which I think makes sense. Like, yeah, he's he's had such a positive influence on the franchise. Now I know that that we've had question marks about his decisions in recent times. Um, but I think I, I want to give them the opportunity to show that this can work. I think he, I think he still has the vision for it, though. I think he's the last of the old old lot, other than maybe Nomura, who has the vision that it was originally based off of, and the vision for the future of the series. Really, I think the thing that's interesting about this, and uh, I'm going to jump into one of the news stories here, is that um, so the the new Division Three is Naoki Yoshida. Obviously, he was in charge of Final Fantasy uh, 11 and 14 and some of the Dragon Quest projects as well. Um, he's been working on a new project for a while now. I think mm-hmm. they've been recruiting for it since 2016. And um, there, there is a growing swell that suggests that what he's working on in addition to 14 could well be the next major Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Um, obviously, we interviewed him and he was very coy about what he would like to see <laughs> if he was going to direct the game. Yeah. And they're now stepping up recruitment for what's going to be the next large-scale project for the company. If that is the case, that is so exciting because yeah. it means that you've got the first business division working on the remake and you've got another business division working on Final Fantasy 16 potentially. Mm-hmm. That is so cool because yeah. it means that we kind of go back to the old days where they have a rotation, which it means could be in, another golden year. It, it may mean that we don't era. have to wait so long between releases anymore because with this structure, it's very clear. You guys are doing that. You guys are doing that. You guys are doing that. And you guys are doing that. It's pretty much what we've been asking for a long time. Mm-hmm. You have your mobile centric one. They're all condensed. They're all condensed into one thing. You've got your Dragon Quest one, a Final Fantasy one, and then a kind of MMO one. Mm. 
that makes sense based on how they're structured. Yeah. And then obviously these divisions can work on side projects with external partners. Say you're near Automata, Babylon's Fall, which is going to come out at some point in the future. And then, you know, maybe some of the mobile games will start to fall away from the main business divisions. Mm. It seems as though Square Enix are starting to realize that they are struggling in that regard. Um, So I, I said I want to be I want to be positive about it and yeah. I, I want to think that this is going to be a really positive move and that we're going to see the dividends in this in the next year or two. Yeah, I think it sounds really good. Um I think if they're if they are going to be this focused on each of the things separately like what could really go wrong? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and please don't don't mess it up, Square Enix. Please don't mess it up. I think they just need to get back into the mindset they had before when they Mm. were going through their previous golden era, which was, okay, we know that people want these franchises, but we also need to experiment with other things. And if one of those can turn into its franchise itself, great, but we still need to be doing these experimentations. Like Square Enix around the the mid-90s were pumping out RPGs like, like nobody's business. And sometimes they did it at the detriment of doing another Final Fantasy game. That's fine. As long as we know that it's like an equivalent game. Like Chrono Trigger, not a Final Fantasy game, but everyone loves it. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most beloved franchises or um, RPGs of all time. And that, because they worked on that, it meant that there was a longer delay between 6 and 7. But that's fine because the game we got in the middle was still top tier. Yeah, But in addition to that, they were also working on so many other RPGs at that time because they had like lots of different creators. They gave, but they also gave other people opportunities. Yeah. The fact that Najima was a director Mm. is crazy to think about. Yeah. I just wonder what this means as far as outsourcing as well. Like if they're going to have more focus, do you think they're still going to be outsourcing quite considerably for their like mobile games and stuff i think i think so i think outsourcing is going to become a bigger thing for them in general yeah i said i i think the the way that it should work for them is that the um the core focus game that they're working on maybe they have one or two games they're working on as a as a core focus and then they can then outsource some games with higher tier developers Mm -hmm. that they know that their creative talent in that division is going to oversee yeah kind of like what they did with the with neurotomata so there was obviously uh, yusuke saito and he worked with creators that he was comfortable with to create neurotomata mm-hmm. so they obviously had like um yokotaro but then the people at platinum games were very much brought into the way that they were going to work on it but what you don't want is situations like front mission evolved and, and left alive and like games that just end up or a quiet man like these kind of games that just end up being nothing because they're just being made to tick a box yeah and and that's pretty much all it is yeah it's just it's just a waste really when you think about it like even if they make money just the reputation costed is just it's not worth it but yeah i mean there's not really too much more to talk about with this the only other big thing that they've come up well actually there's two one of them is that because of the i guess because of the move um someone has left from one of the mobile divisions a prominent producer who's working on million arthur but was also a big component in like the critically acclaimed chaos rings mobile series um but i think he's kind of left more for personal reasons Mm. um but the other big change they've announced is that uh Hamaguchi has now officially been made the co-director on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm. 
something that is desperately necessary. We know from Nomura that he is a really good visionary, not the best director, and he doesn't like being a, a director as such. He prefers to be a producer mm-hmm. with with the vision, but he doesn't like um, the nitty gritty of making sure they get things get done. That's yeah. what Taiyasue is for on Kingdom Hearts, and he's worked with him for a very long time. And Hamaguchi is is the same thing. And I think Nomura has said in an interview before that the reason that structure works for him is because he's not specifically tied to a business division. All the other employees are, you're in this business division. This is your, these are your direct reports. This is your structure. He can kind of go wherever he wants and help whoever he wants. I think that makes things a lot easier for him. Just had a random thought though. I mean, like, I feel like there's the restructure um maybe some of the people have left because of, of because of the restructure yeah like hazama was previously the, the head of a business division i mm-hmm. don't know where he's going to be fitting now maybe he's yeah. going to be sitting under kataze in in the new creative division one or he's going to be sitting under yoshida mm-hmm. um i think it's it's going to be interesting yeah and maybe certain people didn't want that yeah yeah i don't know i guess we'll sort of see the fallout of this within the next year or so um but yeah should be interesting hmm. so yeah that's that's pretty much our our discussion around everything that's been happening with square enix recently i said it's it's in it's a it's a time of uh instability and uncertainty and i i think square enix probably don't handle these things in the best way i think we were kind of expecting it though especially after the release of kingdom hearts 3 like we it's just the thing. The only thing we have on the horizon is Final Fantasy VII Remake that we know of for sure at the moment. So, yeah, we're just kind of like holding fire yeah, until... It's it's the whole thing. Like Square Enix are projecting next year that it's going to be the best return ever in their mm. history. And at the moment, yeah, the only gains we know of are that there's going to... Well, what you just said, there's yeah. going to be... Um, uh, a Dragon Quest Builders game coming out, I think. There's going to be... But in the West, it's really come out in Japan. There's going to yeah. be the new Final Fantasy XIV expansion. Yeah, Shadowbringers. Um, Crystal Chronicles is going to come out at some point. And there's the new game from uh, Project Tokyo RPG Factory. Yeah. But there's pretty much nothing else on the horizon that no. we know of. No, So um, just kind of... Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just really hoping that over the next two months in preparation for E3, they just start going crazy and just announcing a load of stuff mm. that is going to just excite the crap out of us but that it comes out within the next 12 months yeah that that is the big thing is that it has to be able to be on the horizon it's not like it's a decade in uh before it comes out <laughs> that's the that's the ideal thing that's the ideal scenario yes i know but yeah i mean it's quite a different it's quite a different Square Enix to when we sort of started podcasting, definitely. Very different. Like, it just feels... The only thing that's really consistent is Nomura and Kitaze that I can think of, like... Hashimoto. Hashimoto. <laughs> Hashimoto, but yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's just It just feels like a completely different sort of company, really. But... They just need to get back to what got them in this position in the first place yeah and matsuda's been doing a really good job like he's he's obviously looking at things from a financial perspective that's his that's his main remit Mm -hmm. um but square enix have been doing very well financially since he joined 
They've exploited certain things, like there was a massive influx of mobile games, but they were a lot better quality. Yeah, yeah, they weren't all that, the bravest. That cash cow <laughs> is kind of running its time. Like yeah. but So they've now got to try and think of something else. And obviously Final Fantasy XIV is still doing very well, but they can't keep relying on that forever. Exactly. Like, it's it's going to have its sort of day and its sort of time. Um, I don't know how many jobs they have left to go through. I guess they still have a considerable amount, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> Final Fantasy XI had a load of expansions. This is only, oh, yeah. the, what, the third one yeah. for Final Fantasy XIV? They're going to carry on. I mean, Final, yeah. Fantasy, Final Fantasy XI is still making them a decent chunk of cash. Which is crazy. People still like playing it. I know. And, like, it's it's fair enough. I mean, like, people have relationships um, sort of formed from these games, and it's great. It's great if it can keep going for those people. Um, but yeah okay <laughs> so yeah uh it'd be great to hear what you guys think about it feel free to join our discord server if you go to finalfantasyunu.com you'll see a link on the right hand side and in there just go to the podcast channel and uh feel free to talk about it we're going to be there um it'd be great to hear your thoughts about all the changes that have been happening recently and how you feel about it mm. yeah and if you need to look at the uh the more in-depth uh, details of the business divisions just go on com, and you should see the news story for it yes okay so our music this episode is from Final Fantasy 6 I feel like we haven't had a track from Final Fantasy 6 for a very long time no and I don't even think that we've done a we, we've never really done a Final Fantasy 6 um, dissection have we? no mm. Mm. ideas ideas Daryl's we should do a Final Fantasy 15 one soon I know. Well, Too now, much. based on everything we said in this episode, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> it would be so sad. <laughs> no. Um, no, I think it's a much better game than it was. But yeah, it'd be interesting. So yeah, this uh, this arrangement is of Edgar and Mash, and it's by Shafi One, who has some really cool arrangements. You guys should definitely check them out if you get the opportunity. Mm. Um, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 23rd of April. Feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Final Fantasy. We are there or thereabouts. And of course, you can catch every episode on FinalFantasyUnion.com as well as all our news coverage. And if you really enjoy what we do, why not check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. All right, time for us to say goodbye, Lauren. Goodbye, everyone. And my name is Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.